Mini-episode 1320 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1320. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here, and we have one of our favorite recurring FDH Lounge dignitaries coming back on, one of our longest tenured ones, my good friend Steve Callis, who's been with us for uh, for many, many years. And uh, these days, this this is a guy that you've been able to hear all over the media, especially on the East Coast there. Uh, whether it be at WFAN uh, back in the day uh, and uh, SNY and presently making appearances with our good friend Joe Stazak on 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Also with his uh, Callous Remarks podcast that he does with uh, Joe Stazak and also serving as sports editor of the Westchester County Post. That is westchestercountypost.com. You can check it out there. And uh, again, we have them in to talk all kinds of different uh, things here over a period of time. We've talked a number of NFL things with them previously. We do that again today as we take our macro-level look at the 2020-2021 NFL playoffs. In a year like no other, uh, it's good to be able to uh, rely on the familiar, and that being an excellent conversation with good friend Steve Cal. Steve, welcome back to the show, my friend. Great to be with you as always, Rick, but you summed it up. This has been the strangest of seasons, and you almost want to do these kinds of shows, you know, literally 45 minutes before every game, because it just changes day to day. You don't know who's got COVID, who's going to not play because it's nine days as opposed to 10 days. Uh, it's really been a difficult season, obviously, for the players. But even just looking at the games, as we, you know, I'm sure we'll talk now a little bit, you just don't know exactly what's going to happen. I personally thought the NFL should have uh, given some leeway to some of these COVID teams, but I'll leave it up to you to start it all off, and then I'll jump right in. Well, yeah, and it's uh, it, it's a pretty it's a pretty cloudy time for my mind, anyways. Which uh, this is as we're recording this. Uh, just to break the fourth wall here, recording this on Thursday, January 7th. Uh, it turns out in retrospect, Steve, I'll let you pick which day this week we would do it. Uh, good thing you said Thursday rather than Wednesday, because if yeah. this was 24 hours ago, I don't think either of us re- would have been able to get our wits about us. Uh, I've still got a lot of residue in my mind from that. And then I turn around to find today, and then I get bitch slapped by more reality that my Cleveland Indians have just given away Frankie Lindor, which I knew was coming, but it's insult to injury when it actually happens. So somehow through this, uh, I will persevere and uh, turn this to another hazy topic, as you said, COVID, before we get started here and talk about the effects of the coronavirus pandemic on this NFL season and going into the playoffs. And I just, I, I want to start by just registering a large complaint here. And and I, look, I'm a lifelong Browns fan. I make no bones about it. We put our biases out on this show. 
I'm not even going to cry about any competitive disadvantages that my team has this week. Uh, albeit, again, I think that the people who have pointed out the way that uh, Baltimore had no problem getting their games rescheduled, Tennessee, what have you, I realize it's different when it's the playoffs. But the league set a precedent that they are ignoring here in this regard. My, com my complaint does not lie with any competitive disadvantage for the Browns. I'm going to say, and as much as I loathe the Steelers, I don't think it's fair to the Browns or the Steelers. I think the league, in my estimation, is covering something up here. For Joel Batonio to have tested positive on Tuesday, Kevin Stefanski, Joel Batonio was very vocal after the game Sunday. I'm going right home. I'm not going to do anything until I come back in on Tuesday. And then, so all of a sudden, he picked up community spread in the time being. Now, again, it, one of our biggest superstars. I mean, Joel Batonio is irreplaceable. And on a league that has been one of the best lines this year, if not the best in the league, he is, uh, along with Wyatt Teller, and I can't even believe I'm saying that because Wyatt Teller was like nobody before this season and Bill Callahan got his hands on him. But along with Wyatt Teller, our, our best players on this line. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I'm not even whining about not having Joel Batonio, but what he said raises a lot of questions. The league said less than 48 hours after kickoff, oh, it's community spread, it's community spread. All these players were clean. You can't say that for sure. I think anybody right. with half a brain has to believe that there it was not community spread, that there was an outbreak. Joel Batonio, Kevin Stefanski, etc., either contracted, COVID-19 on Sunday on the field, or they had it coming in and potentially exposed other people. And neither of these options is acceptable. The league, I'm telling you, sent players out there Sunday that had it. Their testing failed, and they don't want to admit it. That's my opinion, personally. Uh, it's good to be doing a show uh, with, a, with a guy who has a <laughs> law degree here. So, you know, uh, counselor, I'm covering my ass by saying, in my opinion, the league is covering something up here. But in my opinion, that's what it is. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, Rick, because there are a number of things. Um, and just the general view of COVID. First, the reason I think they said it's community spread is because they had announced that they would only change these games if they determined that there was a something going on within the team that was getting spread within the team. Um, community spread obviously says he walked into a bar, which he didn't, right. or even could get it at home from a family member or whatever. Um, but I think the problem is, what are they going to do in a playoff game? The Denver game, when they lost all their quarterbacks, was the biggest joke of the year game to me. Yep. And you had other teams that had, you know, frankly, uh, I know you're going to say it was the Jets, but the Browns losing to the Jets without their top four wide receivers and missing a couple of linebackers, that's a joke to me. If Cam Newton can't play against the Kansas City Chiefs, that's a joke to me. And I don't have that. I didn't mention any team that I'm particularly, you know, going nuts over, but I thought, and I did hear Adam Schefter today, so I don't think this is going to happen, but Ronnie Harrison, their safety, Cleveland safety, tested positive, yeah. and the league had said, unless there were more positives, the game was going to go on as scheduled, and now this is a quote from Adam Schefter at, you know, 4.30 this afternoon, which is taking a little after that, Adam Schefter said, well, the Browns had another positive, let's see what the NFL is going to do, but you know they're loath to change anything. They didn't miss a game. 
they put off a few, a number of days, especially that Thanksgiving day that was played, what, the next Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was. But there, there's just so much going on there, and they've been on the cusp of not being able to handle it. The Ravens had a breakout, the Titans had a breakout, or an outbreak, I should say, not a breakout, mm-hmm. an outbreak. Um, the Browns had a mini one a few weeks ago against the Jets, and they have another one now. Uh, and I'll say it again, if you can't field the quarterback at, the De- at Denver, um, that was not an NFL football game. There should have been better rules, but, you know, they've got that straight ahead. We're plowing through this, and it looks like they want to plow through the playoffs even more. And I think that's why they said it was community spread, because if it's not community spread, if it's within the team and under the NFL rules, they're supposed to do something. Now, can they switch that game to Sunday? Can they switch it to Monday? I don't think they could go any farther than that. And I don't know how many Cleveland guys, in addition, that would get off the list or not. Uh, I just don't know the exact days. I know the exact days for the Saints, which we'll talk about. I know the exact days for Tampa Bay, um, but I'm not up on the exact days because that's the important thing. If you get it, it's 10 days, period. It's not nine days. Um, So, you know, that linebacker on Tampa Bay can't play because it's nine days. If they made the game Sunday, it would be 10 days. So... Uh, I think you're right. I don't know if that'll ever come out. You know, if it comes out after the fact, what good is that going to do you uh, or the Browns? Uh, But I think you're right. I think the NFL always tries to protect itself, you know, and you can have 92 CTE examples and things of that nature where they just kind of, you know, cover up what they want to cover up. Yeah, it just bothers me. All all of the stuff that they they lie about just for the sake of uh, their own image and, and again, community spread, uh, certainly plausible. I live in Cuyahoga County. I'm on America's North Coast, and it's pretty bad here uh, as far as any metric. Uh, of course, the whole country's pretty bad now, right, with the outbreak. But Cuyahoga yeah. County and Ohio, yeah. we're up there. So it's one of those things where, you know, it's sort of like, you know, uh, what, I, what I've said about uh, from watching the documentary Making a Murderer of uh, Framing a Guilty Man. I mean, look, we're, we're, we're a guilty county. I mean, you know, community spread. Nope. Nobody's going to question that, bro. I mean, it's pretty much just like South Dakota last summer when they had uh, the big bike gathering there and had a big outbreak afterwards. I mean, the way that, you know, you walk down the street and hardly anybody's wearing masks. I mean, inside, I guess, places they are, but, I mean, people's behavior, shamefully, around here is not what it should be, and that's what's fueling a lot of this. And it's easy to point the finger and say, oh, these guys got it from getting sneezed on at the grocery store. But when it's all happening with your own locker room, when you're when you're getting all these things that are happening, and guys who go home after the game and don't leave their home turn up 48 hours to get tested, and they, they you know, I'm sorry, it wasn't community spread. That is pretty clear. So, yeah, and that that's my, my problem with Goodell and with the league is that, uh, like you said, the Denver game, where they didn't have the quarterbacks, never should have happened. And the whole thing of, like, well, they were idiots who brought it on themselves, all the QBs sitting together in the meeting room. Okay, but here's the thing. And, and Steve, this comes from me being a fantasy sports commissioner uh, in my day. What about, uh. <laughs> what about the rest of the league? What about the competitive integrity? And I understand New Orleans probably would have boat raced them, whether they had a quarterback or not, but at least make a work for it. That's the right. whole thing behind this here, is that you owe it to the other teams in the league for your games to have competitive integrity. And, uh, yeah, I mean, anybody that's a fan of the Brownies right now, I mean, everybody's just happy they made the playoffs and 
realistically how far was this team going this year anyway. So, I mean, I'm not taking this as hard as some of my friends who were delusional enough to think that we might make a run further than this. But it's it's just not a good thing here, obviously. And, uh, again, you know, moving into these playoffs here, I have to say, just kind of writ large, and we're gonna we're gonna look at rather than the, the the micro level because we'll be doing this on the show week by week, going through the playoffs, looking at the micro level and the matchups and yep. everything like that. But writ large, I don't know that there are too many big surprises when you're looking at the top of the conferences on either side here in the AFC. I mean, I expected Kansas City to be right there. I picked them to repeat. Largely because uh, I sense the vacuum. I, everybody, a lot of people were on Baltimore because they didn't think Kansas City would repeat because teams don't do it that much. Well, Baltimore was the only other viable option, but based on what they've done in the playoffs the last couple of years and in big games where teams have had a game plan for Omar Jackson, I figured, how could you count on that coming in? So I saw Kansas City coming. Buffalo, I picked them to win the East, but I don't know that anybody thought they'd be as good as they are right now. Uh, but you, you, you've got them in there. Uh, a lot of people like myself maybe kind of slept on the Steelers a little bit coming into this year. You didn't know what Roethlisberger was going to be like. Pro- most of us probably didn't realize the defense was going to be as good as it was, although it's a little different with Bud Dupree out of there now. But not a, not a huge surprise that they're in. My Brownies being in is a surprise to many, including myself. Baltimore <laughs> being there, not a surprise. Indy and Tennessee, not really a surprise. So starting on the AFC side here, uh, it, it seems like an awful lot of chalk when you look at it here, Steve. Yeah, I think that's right. I looked and I looked, and you know, I liked the Ravens last year, and I thought, and I still think they have a chance to get to the Super Bowl, but yes. you're right. When you look at those two games, and they lost to the Titans last year, you know, I would say this year they can they can make it to the Super Bowl, and they can lose to the Titans, because yeah. um, I'm... I'm I'm not a big gambler, but I'm looking for an over-under on rushing yards total in that game, and I'm wondering if it's going to be 400 or 450, because uh, that's what it's going to be. Although, Lamar Jackson has been better, but, you know, we've seen regular season Lamar Jackson, and now we have to see. This is a tough draw for both teams. I like the Ravens to win that game, uh, but I do not like, you know, I just saw some incredible stats that I'm sure you know about Lamar Jackson, you know, they, they he has a 51% completion rate, and I think you're going to have to throw the ball because I think both teams have to sell out to stop the run. Um, and and so he's got to throw the ball. Now, he's been doing it lately. I don't know that they have the toughest schedule. You know, teams like the Bucks and the Ravens, who finished strong and had to finish strong, really didn't play many good teams. Um I don't consider beating Atlanta twice, you know, such a big deal for Tampa Bay. I think when Atlanta sees Tampa Bay and Brady and they're winning by 17 points, I think they're still thinking, yeah, we might lose this game, which they did the first meeting. Um, So uh, I'm with you on the chalk. Uh, I, too, picked Buffalo to win the East, um, but I certainly did not think they'd be as good as they are. But I think in the East, uh, in the AFC, I'm sorry, it's kind of uh, chalk. And I wouldn't even consider the Ravens again. I wouldn't be shocked if they made the Super Bowl. Um, but that's because it'll be like a snowball. And just Lamar Jackson will get more and more and more confidence. And their defense will have to play better. It's very good. Uh, but I'll say it again. They can, they can lose in the first round again. And that would be, boy, Lamar Jackson will be hearing it for another year. If oh, they he, lose again. 
he would be definitely, no question, if that was to happen. But uh, I do have them getting into the second round. Uh, I have them going down to, to Kansas City. For my picks going into the playoffs uh, right now, as well as uh, everything else, a statistical look at the teams, fantasy look uh, for anybody getting into any fantasy competitions, I, I want to recommend this here on the main page at the FDHlounge.com and FantasyDraftHelp.com, our 2021 FDH NFL Playoff Guide. And as I'm looking at this here, uh, so again, we have our FDH uh, ultimate quantitative baseline statistic. The thing we do for fantasy that we've brought to looking at team sports here. The one that we do for uh, the NFL. Uh, I have a link here specifically if you want to see the uh, the components of it that I don't feel right printing because uh, to me it's proprietary formula for football outsiders. DVOA, offensive DVOA, defensive DVOA, special teams DVOA. There's a link there where you can see how the teams came out, and it's from the Football Outsiders uh, website. But those four things are factored into our formula, as well as our FDH power rankings at the end of the year, an index that is half victories and half impressiveness of victories based on our power rankings, strength of schedule based on our power rankings, offensive yards, defensive yards. And this year, we added time of possession on there, because I felt that that was something that we probably needed to add. And the, just an oddity that jumps out at me, Steve, and I figure this will make you chuckle as, as well as how it did for me, because I don't know how this was possible. But, uh, and, and again, and I know a lot of people who are big Mike Vrabel guys, particularly in this state. I got to say that I'm not. I think he's a smarmy prick. I don't like how he delighted in uh, spiking the ball in the Browns' face after they uh, beat us uh, big last year. I'm not a Mike Vrabel guy, although I admit his talent as a coach. But... You almost got to go out of your way to be this stupid. The Titans with Derrick Henry, and I understand they've had a successful passing game, 28th in time of possession. How do you pull that off, Steve Callis? Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at that now, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you got to try to do that, don't you? I mean, I don't understand how that's possible when you have the league-leading rusher there, but... I just I don't think Tennessee's defense is going to be able to stop them. It, it's just I don't understand how they were able to bottle up Baltimore a year ago, and they've been so toothless this year throughout the season. But yeah, I, I think that All might right. that might doom them. But uh, what what I have ultimately coming down in the AFC is uh, yeah, this this was a little remembered footnote of the '90s. I think it was probably Joe Montana's last gasp. Uh, as an NFL legend, that Kansas City did actually make it to the championship game for, I think it was the uh, the 92 season, uh, against Buffalo. And uh, Buffalo won that one in a home game, part of their run, of course, of four consecutive AFC championship games. That would be the chalk if it was Buffalo this time around coming to Kansas City, the 1-2 matchup. Uh, but that's how I have it going with, with Kansas City prevailing. I do have to say, though, it's interesting how much our statistic actually kind of favors Buffalo. Uh, I, I was shocked when I went and did the math here, uh, and that uh, they, they really they score out stronger than Kansas City uh, in, in a number of areas uh, sort of across the board here. But Kansas City is essentially what they were a year ago, offensive powerhouse, defense that's, that's good enough. And I think I'd said a year ago my point of comparison for them was the 2009 Saints. That, that was a Saints team that they had a decent defense, it wasn't great, but it didn't need to be with that offense. And Kansas City, that's where they are a year later. Yeah, they're matching up with a surprisingly tough team in Buffalo, a team that goes beyond 
you know, okay, I guess they're the best team in the East. That's how, what I thought they were coming into the season. No, they're much more than that. And yet, if Kansas City is on their game, it's hard for me to find scenarios where I can pick against them, period. Because when they're at top speed, I don't see anybody stopping them. I totally agree with that. I will point out, though, that they've, you know, their last five or six games, they've won by seven points or less. Yep. They always seem eminently beatable, but they always have Patrick Mahomes at the end of the games. I will point out, because I do have my 2021 FDH NFL playoff guide <laughs> in front of me, which I strongly recommend. Thank you, sir. Um, including the top 50 uh, fantasy football playoff draft board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to point out one thing about time of possession. I agree that it's an important stat. Uh, I have no idea why Tennessee is where they are. That does not make sense. But I'll look at it the opposite way for the Chiefs, and that is when the Chiefs have 17 under time of possession, they are easily the fastest quick-strike offense uh, this year and last year, and I think the year before, in the NFL. So I think that for me, for my handicapping, for lack of a better word, that would move Kansas City, in my mind, up into the second tier, where Tampa Bay also fits into that category where they have 24th time of possession. I don't think it's as much as their quick-strike offense, although towards the end of the year, um, Tom Brady started being Tom Brady. You know, I think he's right. He said all year. Um, you know, you have Bruce Arians who says things like, uh, well, you can't win the Super Bowl in August and they give us the trophy. He was always trying to tamp down expectations. Right. But Brady was more of the, you know, we had no uh, training camp. We had no exhibition games. He actually said our first four or five games were like exhibition games. And I think now you've seen with Tampa Bay um, – not only did their time of possession go up towards the end of the year, their entire team started to look like the team a lot of people thought would somehow be the team after one or two games. So I think if they had played this season over with a full training camp and exhibition games, I think Tampa Bay would have been better. But I think part of their, they're not the quick strike offense that Kansas City is, but I think part of their time of possession being 24 is that they really didn't take a lot of time early in the year and didn't play as well as they played later in the year. So to me, Tampa Bay and Kansas City would be that second tier, uh, and Kansas City could not, uh, Tampa Bay could not move up into the top two uh, because uh, you know time of possession three for Buffalo, five for New Orleans, twenty-four for Tampa Bay. But I do think Kansas City would have been in the. Rick Morris, FDH, Lounge, second tier, and that they would jump Green Bay. Now, obviously, they're in different conferences unless they play in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, that would be important. But for this, I like this. But, ten, uh, but time of possession, you know, go back to uh, Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf. I don't know what their time of possession off the top of my head is, but I don't think uh, it would have been very high on the list. So I'm looking at your playoff predictions in the wild card round, and I have exactly the same thing. And I think it's also going to be at the top. I think it's also going to be Kansas City and Buffalo, and I have Kansas City going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think we're going to be a little different in um, in the NFC, but I just think Baltimore has to get over that playoff hump, and I think I think this weekend is a playoff hump for them. I think they have to win this game. And I was hearing things, Lamar Jackson hasn't signed his next contract, but he will soon. And if he makes a run in the playoffs, he'll make more money than if he gets beat again. And I think that's true, Rick. 
because after one game, well, it's one game. Now after two games, uh, he was terrible in both. His, um, I think I said his completion percentage was 51% in his two playoff games. He threw three touchdowns and three picks. Um, his QBR is very low. Uh, so I think he has something to prove here. And if he loses tomorrow, uh, I think he'll get his big contract. But I think it'll be for, I don't know about a significantly less, but it will be for less than if he wins a playoff game or two. If he makes a run here... He is one of the elite quarterbacks, but right now, to me, he's uh, Clayton Kershaw. He's elite in the regular season, not so good in the playoffs. Yeah, well, except, uh, and that's not a bad comparison, except with Kershaw, I think it's been more inexplicable. I think in the case of Lamar Jackson, it's when you're facing the top teams, they solve an offense that is as one-dimensional as that has sometimes been. And so, yes, he's going to have to prove more. Yeah. Uh, on that, and and by the way, and uh, just uh, to to let everybody know here, uh, in terms of always being referenced as far as our thing here, this is a purely uh, numerical type of thing on our uh, overall UQB uh, system here. So the way the numbers spit it out, it's New Orleans one, Buffalo two, and then there's a break to the second tier, Tampa Bay three, and then from there, Green Bay, Kansas City, L.A. Rams. Miami, Baltimore, Seattle, Indy rounds out your top 10. You have you have uh, Pittsburgh at 13, and then you drop down to the fourth tier subsequently, 21 Cleveland, 23 Tennessee. I was, I was surprised at how both of those scored, but, I mean, it, maybe not entirely because of the, the softness of the Browns' uh, defense the whole year as far as they go. And just on time of possession, one more thing. How many bar bets could you win, Steve Callis? by uh, betting somebody that Kansas City placed 11 spots ahead of Tennessee with Derrick Henry in time of possession. Ha, ha, you know, can, can anybody wrap their minds around that? Uh, no, you could win as many bets as you could get. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I can't. I can't. I saw that this afternoon. I was like, like is this a misprint? But I'm sure it's not. Yeah, it, it's it's remarkable. And uh, I'm not surprised you picked up on it. Uh, you always pick up on these things here. So for anybody that uh, thinks back to what I said about a minute ago here, you'll notice the three of the top four teams were in the uh, NFC, and the thing about that that's surprising is that uh, Kansas City was not one of them, that they're the number five team, albeit being number one in just our FDH power rankings. But uh, New Orleans standing atop here, and New Orleans was also standing atop in the final DVOA numbers, and given a DVOA and the subcomponents are components uh, here, that's not surprising. But they, they, they scored pretty well overall. One of the other things, too, is... Uh, just on a macro level for both conferences, and since you have it in front of you, Steve, and this is something I'll point out to anybody that looks at it subsequently, is there's more flatness this year than I think I've ever seen since I started doing this, which goes back about five or six years. As far as strength of schedule, there's not much to separate among the top teams here. I mean, yeah, you've got Baltimore with the worst schedule in the league, the easiest one, I should say, uh, number 32 in there. Uh, and then it raises as high as Tampa Bay among the top teams playing the number 17 schedule, New Orleans and Buffalo tying at 19. But yep. you, you, you've normally got some teams that are down around 10 or 11. You've normally got teams that have surmounted much more than this. But it seems like the teams like the NFC East teams that uh, played in the worst division in the history of football, then they had to go play the AFC North for their games against the AFC. So 
it's a weird kind of a deal. If you played in a crap division, you probably played a tougher non-divisional schedule. And it's just, it's weird. There, there's, It's so much flatter and more level than it generally is. This just seems like a fluke. I don't think it's because of COVID-19. I think it's just one of those things. But it's really amazing to me the way that it played out, that there wasn't a lot of difference. Because a lot of times, I look for teams that have what, what we would call a glass jaw. Years back when Chip Kelly was in Philly, I remember the only reason I picked New Orleans to beat them was that Philly played a complete garbage schedule, and New Orleans played a tougher schedule. And on that basis alone, I picked New Orleans and they beat them. I can't see one playoff matchup this year where I would even factor that into a serious degree, and that's surprising to me. Yep, I gotcha. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But, you know, you look at the NFC, and uh, again, New Orleans... Tampa, Green Bay showing up in that order on our, our system here. And I, I think people making Super Bowl picks are probably predominantly going with one of those three teams. You might find some going with Seattle or L.A., but they have to make it through a tough first-round game first against each other. And uh, I'm not sure how many people are on the Rams right now, given that Jared Goff uh, is, uh, you know, it, they're saying questionable with his thumb. I mean, if he can be back less than two weeks after surgery, as a guy who's broken a digit before, I say good luck with that. I mean, they're going to fit him with something. But, you know, even if he plays, if you think he's making anything more than intermediate uh, throws, i got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. But the one thing I'm going to, I'm going to point this out about the Rams, too, just 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 because I know you'll appreciate this, uh, Steve, a, a, a nice little Seinfeld reference that I'm going to make here. I mean, that the, the whole thing that with Jerry and Elaine, the whole you know catchphrase of sex to save the friendship. I look at this here, firing Wade Phillips to improve the defense. <laughs> I mean, this this defense this year it shows up number one in defensive yards. I mean, you know, by by any measure, the defense has been a, a big foundation. One of the reasons I thought they'd fall off after getting away from Wade Phillips. And uh, I've been a big Sean McVay day from guy from day one, but I mean, man, this is even beyond what I thought he could do. Well, I thought early in the year the Rams from week to week were were they last year's Rams or were they the Super Bowl Rams? Right. Uh, but they they settled down and got a lot better. But I have to say, and this is somewhat embarrassing, before week fifteen, uh, I did a podcast with Johnny Callis, who, as you know, knows a lot about That's the right. NFL. And I said on the air, I said right now, I think the most complete team offense and defense are the Rams. And then they lost to the Jets. Right. So I don't know that they've totally recovered from that. Plus, they have this now thumb injury, which I agree with you, to, to be a quarterback that can throw. And I saw a replay of the, you know, it was the quintessential make the throw and your thumb comes down on the guy's helmet. And and so to break your thumb on your throwing hand and then come back two weeks later, that's going to be very tough. Uh, I assume they're going to try early to set up a run game, and then maybe it'll be easier for him in, in, uh, in play action. But I, I think they're going to get knocked out in the first uh, round, although they still do have that defense, and they still do have Aaron Donald, and they still do have, even though I don't like him, Jalen Ramsey. Um so they can make some noise, too. The winner of that game can make some noise. But I think you're right. It's it's right out the top. And I will say this. I, I, I didn't pick the Packers. And I know we're going to talk about that. I didn't pick the Packers to go to the Super Bowl. But we always talk about what an advantage it is uh, to get the bye. And it's much more this year because there's only one bye. Yeah. So it wouldn't be hard to pick Kansas City over Green Bay. That's the chalk. I think, uh, and and when we go through it, I'll talk more about it, but I think in the uh, NFC, 
It's more of matchup games that I see, or I'll even do mine right now. Yeah. The matchups that I see, um, now you saw what the Bucks did to Green Bay, and that was incredible. Right. Can the Bucks go to Lambeau in January and do that? Well, I don't know. Tom Brady can. Gronk can. I don't know how many of these guys have real playoff experience, and I don't know how many of these guys have uh, you know cold weather experience, which you know could be brutal up there. But I have... I have the Bucks beating the Washington football team and then going to Lambeau and beating Green Bay in Lambeau. But then if you watch New Orleans and the Bucks, now New Orleans, the first game of the year, I originally picked the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl, but I said they'll lose the first game to New Orleans, but they'll beat them the second time they play, which was like week 10 or 11, I think. And New Orleans manhandled them in the first game. And then New Orleans slaughtered them in the second game. I yep. still don't know what happened, except I do know that the Bucks' defense has not been quite as good uh, as they were earlier in the season. Now, they don't have Devin White in this game. I think the NFL did them a, 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 a I don't know, I, I think they should have been, as I said. Um, New Orleans is playing on, su- on Sunday, so Kamara can play, as long as he gets the negative test, which so far he seems to have gotten. Uh, Michael Thomas is coming back also gets an extra day I'm not saying they should do this for injury Rick but I think they should have done that for COVID and Devin White got COVID the same day as Kamara they got COVID so they have to sit 10 days no exceptions and now Tampa Bay is playing on the ninth day and uh, uh, and now the Saints are playing Kamara can play Devin White can't. So I think they should have been able to give Devin White a test on the morning of the ninth day and let him play. But I really think Tampa Bay, Washington should have been put off to Sunday. If you had major problems with your team, I, uh, because of COVID, not because of injury, I think they should have moved you to Sunday. Uh, unless there were more than three teams in three games, then obviously someone would have to play on Saturday. But I think they did Tampa Bay a disservice. But I think they're fortunate to be playing Washington. I don't think Chase Young quite understands, you know, uh, I want Tom Brady, uh, get me Tom Brady. And then after, you know, he was called out on and he said, I'm not going to apologize for saying I want Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. I want to play against him. But I can tell you from the Patriots days, not because I know, but because my son always informed me, and you probably know this from the bigger games, if anybody said bad things, I'm going to get Tom Brady, I'm going to sack Tom Brady, I'm going to kill Tom Brady, and that's going to be the key to us winning. The Patriots went out of their ways, DBs, I forget the Steelers, DB, DB's name, um, but they would say something, and the Patriots would go out of their way to embarrass that guy, and often did. Right. So... I know Chase Young, if he's on the edge, and he's usually on the edge, I think he's just going to get doubled all day. I know I heard um, Damian Woody, uh, who said, you know, when you hear those things, it really makes the line want to play even better. Yeah. They really look out for where that guy is. If he's anywhere near them, not only are they going to block him, they're going to try and lay him out. So uh, I think Bruce Arians is stupid for saying, be careful what you wish for, but Bruce Arians has been stupid all year. To criticize Brady publicly is beyond stupid. But Brady, being Brady, said he's a great young player. You know, he went to Ohio State, so there's that Ohio State-Michigan thing. He never criticized the guy for saying that, but I'll be shocked if they don't go out of their way to try and, you know, double this guy whenever they can. Maybe throw a screen pass to his side uh, as the ball goes over his head and the screen guy runs for 30 yards. Um, So I think... 
that Tampa Bay can go to Lambeau and then beat Green Bay. But because New Orleans, I can't get over the second slaughter, New Orleans over the Bucs. Um, and I think New Orleans is going to beat the Bucs. So I have my final um, Super Bowl matchup to be the Chiefs against the New Orleans Saints. Because again, I think the Bucs have Green Bay's number. And I think the Saints have the Bucks number. It's more of a matchup conference to me as opposed to the Chiefs, which I'm saying the Chiefs have Mahomes. Sure. No. Yeah. <laughs> and they also have the Rick Morris top three fantasy players. <laughs> which well, which yeah. I think helps. There you go. I mean, and, and there's a lot to unpack there, but I, I will say the funny thing is my preseason pick was, I think, New Orleans over Kansas City in the Super Bowl and my Mid-season pick was Kansas City over New Orleans in the Super Bowl, and my pick going into the postseason is neither of those uh, as far as a, a matchup uh, between those two teams. But uh, one of the things is when you talk about only one buy, the Week 17 incentives and disincentives, I, I, I can tell you that in Brownstown last week people were talking about, oh, it's sure great to have the extra wild card. Uh, you know, that really helped the Browns' chances, albeit the Browns ended up being the sixth seed instead of the seven, so we'd have made it anyways, but... As I, pointed, as I pointed out to people, equally important, if not more so, was the whole thing about, will Buffalo be the two or will, will it be Pittsburgh? Well, who cares? Because, you know, I mean, it's not even like the NFC where if you're the two seed, New Orleans, you get to play the Bears. I don't think there's any great reward in playing Indianapolis. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, look, if I were another team, especially the way that uh, the Browns have been riddled by, by COVID and everything else and defensive injuries. and The defense has been hot garbage much of the year outside of the front four, of course. The front four has been like, uh, you know, Canton level. But, you know, the, the back seven has just been a, a, a dumpster fire. And, uh, you know, I'd rather play uh, the Browns than Indianapolis. So Buffalo, uh, they don't get rewarded at all for being the two. Pittsburgh would have played at least some of their guys if they were playing for a bye last week. And that's yeah. the thing. They weren't. So it, it does distort the incentives and disincentives a little bit. That said, You're right. we're still in a situation here because of the divisional format of the playoffs here. A lot of times you get a fairly soft number four seed. It tends to happen in the NFC a lot. And I think a lot of times it tends to be coming out of the East. And boy, is it ever this year with Washington. Way more than ever. But it's a thing where the brackets are a little bit distorted. So if I'm going to go with New Orleans, which in the end I'm not, it's going to be because of this. Because when you look at what a lot of people would consider to be the top three teams in the conference in any order, and and and, and in my mind it's it's uh, Green Bay, uh, New Orleans, Tampa Bay in that order. It's not New Orleans and Tampa Bay playing in the second round. No, 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 no. They're in the same division. The way the bracket sets up. You would have Tampa Bay coming to uh, Green Bay. That is, un unless there's any other kind of upsets here in the first round that I don't right, foresee, right. obviously. So the way the bracket shapes up, Green Bay's got to go through both of them. And it's to their credit that I think they're going to be able to do that. I have Green Bay over Tampa Bay and New Orleans over Seattle in the second round, and then Green Bay over New Orleans in what I think is going to be an NFC championship game for the ages. I mean, I think both of these ones, if you get the 1-2 match in both conferences... And ultimately, look, I mean, if it's your thing, if it's, uh, what, what, what do you have it as, uh, New Orleans and Tampa Bay, a third match there, yeah. I, I think that yeah. would be, I think that would be epic. That would not be a slaughter again. I would, I would kind of agree with you on going with New Orleans because to me, they're the second best, uh, of, of the teams in the NFC here. I've got Green Bay first, but I would take New Orleans over Tampa Bay as well, but, 
I mean, any of these if you, potential matchups between these three teams here would just make for an epic thing. And, you know, I always wax poetic on the show about one of my favorite days of the year. Of course, we all love Super Bowl Sunday, but Championship Sunday. I love the doubleheader. That's the day for true football fans, as opposed to all the casuals that Madison Avenue, you know, panders to with all of that stuff. The hardcore day. And this is this is poignant because I always have a nice Championship Sunday bash, and I will not be doing that this year. And nor will I be going to the Super Bowl party that I always go to. So I, I feel like I'm, you know, we're all we're all going to be missing out on those experiences. I may be getting together on Zoom with some fellows during one or both of these, but you know, it's it still is a thing where you look at the way that how all of this shakes out in the NFC. And uh, again, you talk about the centrality. It, it's more than a cliche at this point to talk about the centrality of quarterback play to what happens with all of these teams here. But in the NFC. Uh, with Aaron Rodgers, with Tom Brady, with Drew Brees, three three of the best, not merely of today, but of all time. Uh, you look at, at the AFC, and uh, a couple guys that it, we know will be saying that about Mahomes in the years to come if he doesn't get injured after the kind of year that he had. Josh Allen, we may well be saying that about him at some point. But those three yeah. teams, that Troika and the NFC, uh, Steve, they all have a lot going for them, including coaching. But at the end of the day here, uh, it's the three uh, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks that really kind of set them apart. With all due respect to Seattle, Russell Wilson, because he's on his way to becoming one of the all-time greats, too. But there's more holes in the rest of the team, I think I would say, at this point, than what the other uh, guys are dealing with. But, tell me, tell me, Rick, what do you see different about the I understand it'll be at Lambeau. I understand Rodgers is the MVP, at least in my opinion. Um but, the, you know, the Bucks uh, spotted them 10 points and then scored 38 in a row. What has changed? Is it the location? Uh, and, uh, obviously, Devontae is healthy and has been tearing up the league. And Rodgers was doing it with smoke and mirrors when he was hurt. But what is it that you see that the in the second round, most probably, that the Packers will beat the Bucks? I think I think it's pretty interesting here uh, that w- when you look at it, and, and again, one one of the truest notions. Again, I I, I put a lot. Uh, so this is going to undermine me here. I put a lot on DVOA and the defensive DVOA rankings. Tampa Bay is fifth, and Green Bay is is seventeenth in that. So that's a big thing that leans there. But I think that uh, Green Bay at this point, although again, Green Bay ninth in defensive yards, Tampa Bay sixth in defensive yards. So what that tells me is. Not not to go to the whole cliche of bend but don't break, but that Green Bay really, I think, tends to play better uh, as far as red zone defense and everything like that when it really counts uh, on them. So I, I think that the gap between them is not necessarily uh, that narrow, and I think that when you start to factor in, again, not to go to the cliche of cold weather team because it doesn't always come into play, but uh, given what they're likely to face there, I think that's a little bit of a, an equalizer between the teams there at that point. And I think between Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones and everyone else like that, uh, the way that uh, Tanya has stepped up uh, and played uh, so well at tight end yeah. there, I think Green Bay has been a little bit more consistent in making use of some of their weapons. Tampa Bay, to this to this day, still has a revolving door at running back. And I say that as a frustrated Fournette owner who has seen him and uh, Jones the third go back and forth. That like, I just I think I think Tampa Bay. Uh, when you look at this offense, I mean, 
we all look at what Tampa Bay has with the array of weapons, right, and how otherworldly it is, and you sign Antonio Brown and you add it to it. I just think Green Bay, for lack of a better cliche, has more of an idea of what they want to be when they grow up as far as their offensive identity, and that's what gives them, I think, a tiny edge. Uh, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think Tampa Bay has gotten some kind of understanding of who they are the last three, four weeks, but again, it hasn't been against anybody good, and I think their defense has fallen off. It it has a little bit, too. And that's where and as again, I said, they don't have Devin White because of COVID. That's that's a big one. He's unbelievable. Well, you know what? So, and to to build on that, Steve, is that one of the things that you can do, and this is what's been masterful and what as critical as I am of the last two weeks of the season for for the Browns and how I think they absolutely just backed in uh, against Pittsburgh. There got lucky on deflecting that two point attempt at the end. Uh, there was, and, and I appreciate you being charitable earlier, but there's no excuse for losing to the 2020 Jets. Uh, I accept no excuses for that one there. But Kevin Stefanski, based on the first 14 weeks, I think is still the coach of the year in the NFL. And one of the things that he's done, it's no surprise that the Browns are 11th in time of possession because with that very strong Bill Callahan line, with that unmatched in today's NFL 1-2 combo of uh, my man Nick Chubb in there along with Kareem Hunt, what the Browns do is they protect a defense with a garbage back seven by not dominating on time of possession, but 11th, I mean, they're better than average. They do a good job there, and they protect it. Tampa Bay, as you note, Steve, has been falling off a bit defensively in recent weeks, and this is where time of possession can come in. I agree with you before. It doesn't always matter for teams, but if you're 24th in time of possession and you have a declining defense and you don't have an identity at running back between these guys here established through the course of 16 games... That, that could make a difference. That's a good point. So that's just a thought there. But I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you asked me about it because it's just a good chance to kind of expand on that and take a look. And I, I just sort of developed some of these ideas on the fly as you were talking. So amazing follow-up question on your part, bro. Uh, I thought that was uh, excellent. But, yeah, I mean, I, I've got it Green Bay over uh, New Orleans in the NFC Championship game. So essentially that would bring it to uh, a, a situation here. Uh, of uh, rather than get what I thought we were going to get, which was the Hank Stram Bowl, which I guess you're still looking for. Uh, for me, it would be a rematch of uh, Super Bowl One, uh, 54 years later, albeit with a different uh, outcome. So yeah, re- as I invoke Super Bowl Four here and matriculate the ball down the field, but uh, in, in honor of the coach. But uh, so so both of us are looking back to the '60s here for our combo. I'm going back a little bit further for you. It's shades of Super Bowl Four. Uh, as uh, Kansas City uh, is in there against uh, the team, in your estimation, that Hank Stram would later go on to coach, uh, yeah. as well as being, by the way, a very underrated broadcaster. I used to like listening to his radio calls as well as TV. Uh, I miss Hank Stram, uh, and the game does too. But uh, Kansas City over Green Bay is my Super Bowl pick, but uh, Kansas City, uh, New Orleans, which I guess is your pick, uh, I, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't fart at seeing that one either. That'd be pretty awesome as well. Well, it is all based on, frankly, and I don't think Mahomes had the season this year he had last year. Um, I know my son is not a Mahomes fan because they beat the Patriots once or whatever. Um, (laughs) But he did say he had, you know, he saw a stat where he had had like eight or nine balls that hit, hit defensive guys in the hands. He could have had a lot more interceptions. And I don't think he quite was Mahomes, but I'll say it again. 
no matter what happened towards the end of the games, you know, they really only had one loss. Uh, and I assume whoever is going to play them is putting in the Raiders tapes because the Raiders beat him once and almost beat him again. Right. Um, but I don't think he had the year he certainly had last year. But he has that ability late in the game that you just can't teach, that he has whatever he has to do, he does, uh, including in the second Raiders game where they came back and beat the Raiders. But I think um, I think that's really why I based the whole pick because – at the end of the day, it's Mahomes with the most incredible weapons ever. You know, I'd like to see Mahomes play. This is also from my son. Play some of those Tom Brady Super Bowl teams <laughs> where you barely knew the receivers. I'm not sure. talking about Randy Moss. I'm not talking about Gronk. I'm not talking about Welker and Edelman, who he might have turned into Hall of Fame receivers. Right. The I'm early just talking ones. about the guys over the years. When, when he says talks to me about the early Super Bowls and tells me some of the guys who are, you know, catching passes, and you're like, yeah, wow, how did he do that? To me, he's he's a little bit like Bobby Knight. Whatever you think of Bobby Knight, to me, he's the greatest college basketball coach ever because he did so much more with so much less. The guy had one NBA All-Star on his team and three um, you know, championship teams, including an undefeated one that had no NBA All-Star teams on it. So when I transfer that to Brady, uh, and I've given you four, two great receivers and two slot receivers who became great, but when you look at the rest of them, <laughs> yeah, you know, I can't remember the names that you know he used to throw names at me. I said, oh yeah, that's right. And he thinks part of the reason is I think you know that he that Brady left. Part of it was he had no weapons last year. And not surprisingly, Cam Newton had no weapons this year. They did nothing on the offense. You know, you're throwing to guys like Nikhil Harry. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, that was much of his career. And when he had Moss, of course, they went 16-0, 18-0, 18-1. And Gronk has become arguably the greatest tight end of all time, who, by the way, is still making plays this year. He He looked awful at the beginning of the year, but he did miss a year. So... I think it's fascinating, but, um, um, you know, I like the Chiefs over New Orleans, but it's all, he's got the weapons, but it's all Patrick Mahomes-based. Sure, and, and here's the thing, too, and I want to make a point of comparison here, because I think Kansas City, at just one year into this Super Bowl run, we don't know how far it's going to go, but I will already make a comparison as far as potentially the mindset of this team to something that I observed uh, ultimately uh, firsthand here on the North Coast would be LeBron-era Cavs. And it's a thing where I can tell you as a fan, and this does show you how demented I am, I've probably watched more regular season games since he left than when he was here. Because you know what? When he was here, you're just marking time through 82 games. I mean, I wanted to see them play Golden State. I wanted to see them play Houston. You got up for those. Yeah. Did, did I give a crap about seeing them play Charlotte? I might tune in if there was nothing else on, but I mean... Now, with these young calves, I'm like, the garbage games are the ones that are winnable, and I'm excited about some of the young players. Like, now, I'm watching more than I did then. And you know what? That mentality trickled down to the team, Steve, because that's why every year midseason, it was much more dramatic than what it was with Kansas City this year, which, as you said, after all, only really lost one game. Week 17 doesn't really count. But if there was any kind of a malaise, I saw it every year with the calves. LeBron teams, it was because you're just marking time until the playoffs. And then, at least for coming out of the Eastern Conference the second time LeBron was here, at least on that part, four for four on getting it done. 
Uh, obviously, once Kevin Durant went to Golden State, uh, doing anything more than that was not going to be possible. But for achieving everything that they could achieve every year LeBron was here, I think he was four for four on that as well. So for Kansas City, they've just been waiting for this the whole year. So I'm not sure what we've seen from them is going to be indicative of what we get subsequently here versus with Buffalo. Like I said, shockingly to me, Buffalo scores out that much better than them uh, really across the board. And like I said, I have to pull up the DVOA. And yes, in the DVOA numbers, it's and uh, in, in that component, you know, it's the case as well. But I get the feeling we've seen the best of the Bills. I don't think we've seen the best of the Chiefs. And I think that'll carry over to the Super Bowl. I have them beating Green Bay. So you're going then? Are you going with my with my preseason pick of uh, New Orleans over Kansas City in the Super Bowl? No, no, I'm going KC over New Orleans. Again, yeah. all based on Mahomes. Yeah. Okay, okay, all right. So you're going with my midseason pick then, all right, which I'm abandoned. So, okay. <laughs> so I've given myself three chances to be right here. So as long as Tampa Bay's not in it and Kansas City is, then I have a pretty good chance of saying I was right at this point. <laughs> Why did I deviate from that for my other two picks? <laughs> so, you know, you know, if you bet, you know, Rick, if you bet every horse in the race, you're gonna have a winning ticket on the horse who wins. I'm well on my just, way, buddy. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the guy at the track with a whole fistful of tickets here as I make my third pick uh, on this. But uh, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting playoffs. I, I think all we can hope for as football fans, just writ large, is that. There's not going to be too big of an asterisk on it, hopefully, with uh, coronavirus and with what happens here. Because, again, I say this, and for as much as I bitched about the NFL, look, I didn't think my Browns were going to advance out of the first round anyways. I mean, if we do, great. But as an analyst, when I take the fan hat off and I put the analyst cap on, even without what happened here this week, I, I thought the odds were against the Browns. But just as a football fan, so I don't even know you could say the coronavirus. I mean, it made it harder for the Browns, but it just played into a dynamic that I think was already there with the team's defensive weaknesses. But I hope that we don't see that at any point subsequently here where there's a game that really hangs in the balance and it was decided by, oh, well, you know, gee, it would have been really interesting if the Packers would have had Aaron Rodgers in that game. I hope we don't see anything like that. I hope not either, but I think it's a possibility because, as you know, this is now the post-Christmas, post-New Year's bump. Yep. Uh, and a bunch of teams have had it. I think the Browns have had it the worst. Um, and I think the NFL just wants to put their heads down and just fight through everything because, in their view, you know, they just did 256 games. They made such a big deal. All 256 games were played. Yeah, a few were moved, but we played them all, and now we only have 13 games left. So I think they see the finish line, uh, and I just hope a, a team doesn't get hurt like Denver during the regular season, or even the lesser, the Browns with four wide receivers and two linebackers, or even, I can't remember the other quarterback, but there, there was certainly, I remember, um, Cam Newton against the Chiefs, which I told my son after three quarters they were still in the game, Hoyer had made a couple of stupid mistakes, which Hoyer normally doesn't make, and, and after three quarters I sent my, to my son, I said, they should put this game in the Bill Belichick greatest coaching jobs of all time. Yeah. They wound up losing 26-10. But uh, I think if they had Cam Newton, they would have won that game. And that was the pre-COVID Cam Newton. Yeah. He wasn't very good when he came back after COVID, which could affect guys like Kamara or if the Browns somehow win any of those guys that come back. Um, 
Oh, yeah. Or Devin White for uh, Tampa Bay. You know, you don't just snap your fingers and you're 100%. Right. Uh, it depends. It's different things for different people. Listen, Miles Garrett has had a very rough go of it. I mean, he is. Yes, exactly. Good example. He has started to come back, but for a guy who is an all-world player in this league, one of, yes. the, one of the best of the best, he, he, by his own admission, has not been quite the same guy since then. Now, again... You know, whatever, 70, 80% of Miles Garrett is still better than most. But, I mean, you know, as a Browns fan, selfishly, you want 100% of Miles Garrett, and why wouldn't you? So, yes, yeah, so hopefully we don't see that kind of tainting that really goes on across these playoffs here. Hopefully everyone can get through it healthy. And, uh, I mean, that's unrealistic, right? But as many players as possible, as many coaches as possible, hopefully it can be as good as possible. I think that's our lament for anything these days in the era of the pandemic. Get through it yeah. with the least amount of crap as possible. Uh, but uh, the one thing that always is possible within our control and always happens is a great conversation of breaking stuff down with you, my man, Steve Callis. Uh, always a pleasure having you on the show. Hope uh, people continue to check out your great work also as a sports editor at uh, westchestercountypost.com, uh, as well as your appearances here, your appearances on Callous Remarks, the podcast with Joe Stazak, also on 97.5 The Fanatic, uh, on Joe Stazak's show, making regular appearances with him. Anywhere you pop up, it's always a great time, my friend. Uh, great to be with you. I greatly appreciate it, and i just like to... Send some people to Westchester County Post's YouTube uh, channel because I now have, I think I did 80 videos this past year. All of them are nice. Westchester County Post YouTube, and that's the best place to find the latest stuff that, that I've been doing, yep. including a great thing that I did that you put up for me last year on Roberto Clemente. I didn't send it to you this year, but I put up that Clemente article every December 31st for you baseball lovers or Clemente fans. Uh, it's the best researched article I've ever written, so that's one of the lead videos up there right now. That is excellent. And you mentioned the aforementioned uh, uh, podcasts that you've done with the similarly last-named Johnny Callis. I know those can be found there <laughs> as well. <laughs> and so always a, a treat getting to check out your work anywhere, and particularly like when I'm a part of it with this conversation here. So uh, thank you again so much, Steve. Really appreciate it. And thank you, everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1320.